Welcome everyone to today's episode. This is episode 76. Um, welcome, welcome all the newcomers that are here. Welcome to all my loyal listeners. Um, I'm just pretty, I'm in a very good mood. I mean, I'm normally in a good mood, let's be real, but I'm specifically or especially, I should say, in a very good mood because I've been going through the Facebook page of our community and you guys are just incredible. If you're not already a part of that group, jump in, do your fucking mind with Alexis Fernandez. You just have to request to join and then I go in and approve people. But uh, it is just such an amazing community, honestly. The advice that you guys give each other, um, the support that you guys give each other, also, the compliments and accolades to me, keep them coming. You guys give me life and keep me young. Love it so much. It's just such an awesome community. So I want to, yeah, I'm on a very in a very good mood. I'm on a high, so I thought I'd put that out there. If you're not already a member of the group, do join us. It's a good time on that page. Secondly, I'm quite impressed at my technological skills. So I, my podcast agents, I, I'm signed with Acast. They're a podcast creation like platform. So I am the producer of my podcast, but I have agents um, that kind of manage my podcast. And they're the guys over at Acast. Shout out to George, you're a legend. Anyway, they have set me up with my own kind of setup at home with this roadcaster. Um, which is this incredible um, mic setup for podcasting and I can have guests over once COVID is, you know, done and dusted um, or once the lockdowns are done and dusted, I should say. And I've got like a recording studio with four mics. It's this epic setup. I've had it for weeks now and I have been like, oh, I'll wait till I have a whole day to set it up because I'm like a technological dud. Anyway, I thought, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to see if I can set it up and you know, link it to my computer and see how I go. It took me about three minutes flat. I have been sitting here with this phenomenal equipment. I'm talking top of the line, epic equipment, and I have not set it up for a three because it took, it would be taking three minutes. I thought this would take a day. Three minutes, guys, three minutes. Anyway, here I am blowing my own horn. Knowing, anyway, I'm not going to jinx it, but I wouldn't be surprised if I'm fucking something up as I do this. So bear with me. Anyway, today, what I want to be talking about I'm going to go into the whole self-love and empowerment. This is a huge topic and it ties into pretty much every single episode that I have done thus far. Um, everything I do is about your relationship with yourself. Even if I talk about relationships with other people, it ultimately comes down to how okay you are with yourself in your own skin. So I will be delving deeper into that. You'll hopefully be able to take away some awesome points from that. Um, but of course, I'm going to have a few like brain facts and stuff. Uh, just quickly, a weekly update. Not much, to be honest, since I last spoke to you guys. So I'm not going to bother you with um, lockdown details. But oh, I'm double vaxxed. I think I mentioned that last time. And for the people in Sydney, we can now go out and like picnic for groups of up to five people. So I will be doing that this weekend. And I am thrilled to say that we can now do that. This is a big deal. God, it's fucking tragic, isn't it? It's tragic that I'm excited about a picnic with five people. One thing that I really am getting myself excited about, which I shouldn't because I feel that, you know, we, the information changes every three days, but it's this prospect of potential international travel. Uh, if I can leave the country before the end of the year or even by January, I am going to be the happiest human on earth. If you guys know my sister or you've heard, I mean, I've spoken about Stephanie a thousand billion times. She has been on this podcast. I interviewed her. If you haven't yet listened to it, it's the episode called What It Takes. It was around the start of the year that I did it. She is this absolutely phenomenal human being. Um, basically, she's just 
long story short, she's trying out to get into the Winter Olympics. She's currently in Germany right now. She's on the bobsled team and, you know, they're going to try and qualify for the Winter Olympics. If she makes the Winter Olympics, I will do anything in my power to be able to go and see her. Granted that they allow spectators, but that's my goal. So from now until then, I'm going to do everything that is within my power if she qualifies for the Olympics to get there. So follow me on this journey. Stay tuned. Um, okay, let's get into the brain facts of today. Uh, I want to be talking about something called the Barnum effect. I don't know if you guys have heard of this before, but it's a, it's in psychology terms, it's called the Barnum effect. So I'll read the description that comes up when you Google it, but Barnum effect in psychology, the phenomenon that occurs when individuals believe that personality descriptions apply specifically to them more so than to other people, despite the fact that the description is actually filled with information that applies to everyone. So we see this stuff all the time and it is, it's very much used in marketing to market like seminars or to market like personal development courses, but it's also heavily used to market things around, you know, personality tests um, and, you know, Uh, astrology, star signs, all of that. Now, disclaimer here, I'm not standing here saying that I disagree with astrology or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, What I am saying is that we've got this, we've got this kind of instinct in us to want to seek out the things that represent us in certain things. So when there's information describing us, if we think it's it's targeted at us, then we're going to really try and relate to it. So when you read a star sign, whether that information be totally accurate, whether that information be quite broad, you instantly perceive it to be as specific and accurate to you more so than to other people. You know, like if I were to flick through, you know, a, a particular astrology thing, I might find myself, I might find relevant things about myself, not just as a Taurus, but as an, a different star sign as well. Now, when it comes to this stuff, that's not necessarily bad. You're more want to kind of start to pay attention to when you might be falling for this Barnum effect, more so when it comes to marketing or when it comes to handing over like big sums of money in these big, like I can change your life in 24 hours kind of seminars and the way that they market it to people. It's like, are you doing this? Are you doing that? And you start being like, yes, yes, I am. Yes, that's me. And then you end up being sold on this thing that, you know, 95% of people would be answering yes to those questions. So like examples could be when things say, you care when those people closest to you are distant or you know you've, you've got untapped potential and it frustrates you that you're not using it. Like that's anyone can't. Um, or you don't like to admit that you seek approval from others. That kind of shit is shit that most people could relate to but if you were to read a bunch of these things back to back you'd be like yes yes oh my god yes that's fucking me how do you know that and then you already start to trust this entity or person or article or book or whatever just because they've said things using that psychology um, hack of the Barnum effect so it is really important to just know it exists and to try and pay attention to it Um, and a way to kind of debunk it is to either ask that same question to other people around you or if it's something like a personality test or like 
you know, anything like that to kind of look at the other options as well and see how much of yourself you see in the other options, not just the option that came up for yourself, okay? One thing that I don't like people doing, I mean, fucking do what you want, but one thing that I don't think is ideal for our own personal growth is when we identify way too much and when we place way too much of our own identity and who we think we are with a label, any label. I don't think we should attach ourselves too much at all in life. You know, really, you should try and see where can I have less attachment. I can believe something, but if it no longer serves me where I'm heading, I can then no longer believe in that. And it's, I'm not letting, you know, I'm not losing a part of who I am because I do or do not believe in that certain thing or because I do or do not associate with that certain thing. I think often we will pigeonhole ourselves, and I've spoken about this many times, but we'll pigeonhole ourselves into something and then without you realising it, you've actually limited your options. You've, you've associated yourself way too much with something, then when different opportunities come up, you think, oh, that's not me. Oh, no, 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 I could never do that. Oh, no, I, I'm not that kind of person. I'm an extrovert or I'm this, I'm that. So then you, you then feel obliged to then prove those points that you've pigeonholed yourself in and kind of it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think it's important to, you know, shake off this attachment with, to labels. It's fine to have fun with it and it's fine if it truly, truly serves you. Sure, go ahead and do it 100%. If, it's, if it serves you, if it makes you happy, great. But there are many times where it's good to kind of acknowledge when you agree or disagree but not attach who you are as a person to it. The problem with attaching who you are as a person to certain things in your life is that when someone attacks the thing, you feel personally attacked, okay? And instead of being able to have a really nice debate about it, you put your walls up and you snap back at that person because they might be attacking a thing and in their eyes they're just attacking a thing, but you get so defensive because you have made that thing a part of your identity. That could be religion, that could be politics, that could be and just an ideation of something, that could be a fucking brand. It could be anything, right? So a country, a city, um, anything, anything, a school, okay? So just pay attention to when you do that and say, I need to shake my attachments so I don't get so fired up about shit that's not actually me. Cool. Okay. Now, one other thing I really quickly wanted to touch on is what exactly is a theory? Because the word theory is being used so much now with the whole COVID thing and vaccines and, you know, viruses and everyone's got their own quote-unquote theory. The word theory is used in two ways. It's used loosely just in our everyday language and most of the time incorrectly. And then there's when it's used in science as a scientific theory, which I'm going to explain what it actually is. So a theory, an actual scientific theory, is a type of explanation that has scientific evidence to back it up. There are facts behind it that have been tested and studies that have been done, and now this is the most important part, repeatedly. Okay, the important part being repeatedly. So this is studies that have been done again by different people, people trying to debunk those studies and not being able to. That then, if that's done again and again and you've got facts to back it up, that is a theory. Okay, so it takes quite a lot for something to become a theory. It's not just an expert who might have knowledge in the field saying, oh, I've got a theory. No, it is a rigorous process that's got to be backed by evidence in order to get that label of being a theory. They can be disproven. But it's not easy to disprove as a th- because, like I said, a theory has a lot of evidence and studies that are already backing it. So in order to disprove it, you've got to have sufficient counter evidence or you have to come up with an alternative meaning for that existing evidence, right? Um, one thing that I think a lot of people think, like they get, co- not, I wouldn't say confused, but there's, they think is 
weaker or stronger, you've got a scientific law. So you've got theory and law. Not One is not, not stronger than the other. A law is when you're describing a natural phenomenon, for example, the law of gravity. So it tells you what it is and it's something that occurs consistently. And then a theory is something that ex- gives an explanation as to why something is happening. A law doesn't explain it. A law just tells you what it is. It's an observation. A theory goes on to explain it and study it and find evidence and facts to back it up, okay? So I think it's really important in this day and age especially to know the difference between the casual use of the word theory and the scientific use of the word theory because you get these people that go on rants with quote-unquote theories because they've Googled a blog article um, and and then go and argue actual scientific theories with their quote-unquote fake theory, which are just plain wrong, okay? It's not a theory unless it follows the guidelines that make up an actual theory. Okay, cool. Thought I'd just say that. I think it's impossible to be very well aware when someone claims to have a theory, is it actually a theory or is it your thought bubble that you're just speaking out loud to very different things. Now, let's get into the topic of today, which is empowerment. So it's self-love focusing on empowerment. So what is empowerment? I've Googled the meaning of empowerment. There's two two, um, versions of the answer. Number one, empowerment means the authority or power given to someone to do something. So in this scenario, I'm going to be talking about the um, power that you give to yourself. And number two, uh, the process of becoming stronger and more confident, especially in controlling one's life and claiming one's rights. How fucking exciting is that? We love that so much. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to, as usual, you you guys fucking love it and I fucking love it when I break things down into points and then I expand on those points. So when it comes to empowerment, point number one, one of the most important things you need to do is you need to gain as much independence as possible. Now this is independence physically, independence financially, but also independence of the mind, coming up with thoughts, concepts, and ideas that are your own, okay? The more independence you can get in as many areas as possible, the happier you are because it means that the reason you're in a situation is because you are choosing to be there. The difference with that is if you are not independent, if you are dependent on something, someone, or someone's ideas, then you may or may not be choosing to be there. But regardless, you can't not be there because you don't have the rights to, to, you know, you don't have the, 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 not the rights, the means to not be there, if that makes sense. Okay. So hypothetically, if you were in a really unhappy marriage, but you had no financial independence and you had children, you kind of aren't really choosing to be there. You have no choice to be there. And I think I mentioned this in one of my way earlier uh, podcasts. But the divorce rate is the highest in countries where women are, where the employment rate and the income rate of women is the highest. So what does that tell you? That countries where women have financial independence are the countries with the highest divorce divorce rates. What's that saying? That women that do have a choice to leave are more likely to leave because they can, they have that independence. In countries where women can't financially leave, they don't, obviously, because they don't have the choice. So when you look, I I personally look at divorce rates as a a fucking successful thing in a country. I think it's a very, very advanced country if the divorce rates are high because it means choice, okay? If you fucking want to stick it out in your marriage and work really hard until the end, go through 
hard patches and good patches and whatever. You, amazing. You do that. Fantastic. Good for you. But you should always have the choice to leave. If, Every single person should have a choice to leave a relationship. So a country with high divorce rates makes me thrilled. I love to see it. I fucking love to see it because it equals choice, okay? I don't see a relationship breaking down as a fucking tragedy, a misstep in in where we're headed with the times. Like, get with the fucking times, okay? People, you know, people go through their own journeys. People evolve throughout their own life. Just because a relationship broke down does not equal failure. It might just mean that you reached the end of that road in that relationship and you might find another relationship that's better suited to you. If you choose to work through it, fantastic. If you choose not to and go your own separate ways, fantastic. But that's what I mean about gain as much independence as possible. Now, obviously, marriage is a really hectic, deep divorce, whatever, that's going, you know, quite deep. But think about it from other areas as well. Think about it from, let's say, you're living at home with your parents and you're just like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. But you also feel like there's only so much independence you can have because if you're staying at home for free – you can't just live your best life and do your own thing. You owe your parents, or at least you feel that you owe the household that you're living in for free something. You know, you need to be there more often. You, of course, need to help out with certain things because you're not paying rent. You need, you know, you, and then you feel guilty. Or if they try and make you feel guilty, you're going to feel that you have to kind of stay at home, or you're going to feel all these things. So that's one example where you might want to get independence. Another another example would be if you owe somebody money, pay that shit back as soon as fucking possible because that person can then hold things over your head. If you owe someone anything, you know, like pay out your debts, whether it's um, like uh, debts as far as favor, financial debts, whatever debt you have in whatever capacity, clear those debts as quickly as possible because you you are at, you feel that you are held at ransom with those debts, especially emotional debts. Like I did that for you, now you've got to do this for me, or I did. Clear that shit out because the the longer you're held in that ransom, the less freedom you feel you have, the less emotional freedom you have. The less freedom you have, the less empowered you feel. You feel that you have less power. That person holds the power over you, okay? Number two, stop seeking advice from too many sources, okay? Firstly, advice comes in two forms. You you would have heard me bang on about this a million times, but you've got solicited and unsolicited. We can't avoid unsolicited comments. There's a lot you can do when you get them to avoid them happening too often, at least by the same person. And I've literally got two entire episodes on this, so I'm not even going to get into this. If you want to listen to it, it's called Dealing with Unsolicited Comments. And I think the same thing, but part two. The other one, the other kind of advice is solicited advice. It's when you ask for advice. And unfortunately, so many of us, if not maybe most of us, ask for way too much advice from the wrong people. So I did a bit of a list on how to figure out when you should be asking advice because I do think it is important to ask for advice. There are very good people to reach out to in your life to ask for advice. So I did a little criteria sheet for you guys. So here we go. When you are asking someone for advice, you should be asking that person based on the next four questions, okay? Question one, does this person know about the topic, okay? Are they like informed about what I'm going to ask them of? That's very important. Number two, does this person know how I normally react and I'm asking them for advice because they're the calming presence in my life and they're likely to talk me off a cliff. So they're really good for me. That's another possibility. That's very valuable for you. Number three, is this person a mentor of sorts and is able to factor decisions that will benefit my future? 
And number four, is this person a professional who can give me an unbiased way of looking at a situation? Those are the only four times or the only four situations where you want to be asking that person for advice. If they don't fit into that category, goodbye. Now, if you're saying, oh, but what if it's my mom or my sibling? They can still fit into one of those four. They're either a mentor, they're either really good at calming you down based on how you react, or they know about the topic. I don't care who the fuck they are. If it's a no to, to all those questions, do not fucking ask them for advice because then it's going to be white noise and it's unnecessary. Now, I've made a second little list and it's questions to ask yourself of who to not ask for advice. So these are people, if they slot into these categories, definitely do not ask them for advice, okay? Number one, does this person normally operate out of fear? For example, they're not a risk taker. They always put others down. They're always in competition with other people. Um, they often give you their unsolicited comments or advice anyway. So don't ask that person for advice. Number two, does this person have any knowledge on the topic whatsoever? And because they don't, they might give me the wrong advice due to this information or due to not knowing the information. That's, again, really important. You can't be asking advice on like a career change on someone that has no concept of where you are in your career, where you want to be headed and what your wants and dreams are for your future. That would be ridiculous. Number three does – and last one, number three, does this person have an agenda that might bias their response? So, for example, here's like a quite uh, an easy one. You might be working with a colleague who also happens to be your best friend at work um, and you absolutely love this person and you've just got an opportunity to leave the company and work somewhere else. If that person feels a bit like scared without you working in the same company as them and they love your company, they're probably going to advise you to stay out of selfish reasons but only because they love you. Like they're not trying to be evil but they're going to try and skew it so you stay because they don't want you to leave. The same goes for leaving a country or, you know, what if you want to break up with your partner but your family is obsessed with them and you know that there's a bias because your partner and your family have such a crazy connection. They're probably going to convince you to stay with that person even, and maybe they don't even see it that that person is not in your best interest, okay? So you have to, when you go to approach someone for advice, you've got to have be aware of what is the agenda here and if they've got a big enough agenda, probably don't go to that person for that particular topic. As you've probably realised, everything you're asking someone advice on should you know, the criteria and the person that you ask changes based on what kind of advice you're seeking, okay? Advice is important, but it has to come from the right sources and it's up to you to do the vetting process. When you ask too many people, you end up feeling powerless, okay? Because you get so many conflicting pieces of advice and often from people that are really close to you, often from people that pour their heart and soul into helping you, you know, give you that advice, that then you feel guilty and and almost indebted to them and you almost feel like you have to take their fucking advice and then it feels awkward to be like oh I didn't take your advice even though it's just advice right so you end up getting so many pieces of conflicting information that you are fearful of either option and even worse you're no longer excited for either option because you've just been filled with so much fluff in your head that you're you're now more scared than you are excited and you're not even thrilled because whatever you do choose you're like oh did I make the right decision okay when you ask for too much advice, you become someone that is scared to make big decisions. This then leads to a dependency on others and an inability to decide for yourself, therefore making you lose independence, therefore you not being empowered, okay? 
So decision-making skills, you've got to realize, is one of the biggest assets you can have when it comes to being independent, okay? You've got to hone in on your decision-making skills. Um, and I, last week's podcast was about decision fatigue and all that shit. Um, and the better you are at making these little decisions, the better you are at making medium-sized decisions and then also big decisions, okay? So hone in on that skill as soon as possible and you're going to start to feel more empowered. You have the power over your own decisions, Give yourself a bit more credit for the decisions that you make. You don't have to ask more than three fucking people advice on something. If you're asking more than three people, it means you absolutely are not trusting your own instinct. You're not trusting your own knowledge. Okay? Cool. Number three, and this is the biggest one. For me, it's the biggest one. Stop waiting for something else or someone or something to come along. If you're sitting here saying, I'm miserable until I find a partner and you pin all your happiness on that, then we've got a big fucking problem. We've got a very big problem. If what you want is out of your direct control and that thing, a partner, children, whatever, and that thing is what's going to make you happy, then you're in a very disempowered position, right? Because you can't force someone to date you. And as much as it's likely that you'll date someone. There's no telling if you're definitely going to have a partner. Let's just be real here. Let's talk about what we can control and what we can't control. There is no definite thing. There's no crystal ball saying you are definitely going to have a partner. And you can use this for any example. I'm using a partner as an example because often people pin their happiness and when they find a partner or when they have children or when they have that job, you can apply this example to anything, right? But the truth is there are no guarantees in your life for anything that is not in your direct control and even for the things that are in your direct control. There's only some guarantees there. Given that, you shouldn't put yourself and your happiness at the mercy of someone else who you haven't even met yet, okay? If someone was to come right up to you with a crystal ball, let's say that they could predict your future and let's say it was legit, and they said, uh, you're never going to find a partner, you're going to be single for the rest of your life and you're never going to have children, and that's, let's say that that's the, what you wanted and let's say that that's what you would say, I want that to make me happy. If that was the case and that was a given and if you were to look at your life right now knowing that you're not going to get those things, would it be enough for you? Or have you been waiting for something to come along to make you happy? If you look at your life as a snapshot right now, could you say, I feel fulfilled enough that I could be happy like this even without the things that I'm wanting for my future? If the answer is no, then you actually have it the wrong way. Because the truth is, like I said, there's no guarantees in your future. And yes, okay, if you look around, most people do end up in a relationship and most people, yeah, with kids. So the numbers are in your favor, for sure. But there's no guarantees that it's definitely going to happen and that if it does, when it will happen and for how long it will last and how happy you're going to be. So knowing that information, don't you think it's important to stop waiting for shit to come along to make you happy and start creating the life of your dreams without these people that you can't control, like partners, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, you know, and start creating that life now, okay? I'm not trying to put a downer on things, but I'm trying to get you see that you are the creator of your happiness. And the most ironic thing is when you live in reverse, and what I mean by that is the way it's meant to be lived, which is finding your happiness and then linking people and things to that happiness, not the other way around, not thinking those things are going to bring me happiness. We, we, we in society do it the wrong way around. 
The ironic thing is, if you do that, if you're like, wow, this is the source of my happiness, I'm happy now. When you start to do that, ironically, all the things that you did want start to come your way anyway, because you become magnetic. There's no other word to describe it, but someone who decides, fuck everything else, fuck that, that's not going to make me happy. I'm going to make myself happy. I'm going to start looking at my life right now and think, what do I love about this right now? Okay. It is so important that you don't wish your time away. So many of us think, oh, you know, you, you like we wish our time away in all sorts of different capacities. Like I can't wait to have a partner. I can't wait to have a partner so we're not happy. Or I can't wait for the holiday in a month. I can't wait. You're counting down the days. You're not enjoying the current days. Even, even when things aren't great, we wish our time away. Like I can't wait for lockdown to be done. So I'm just going to exist until it's done. Um, I can't wait till, you know, this, so, t- till, till uni's done, till school is done. Till, we wish so much of our lives away. And it's so sad. So just think about how efficient you could be in this time. Think about what you could do for your health, for your learning, for your career, for ways to inspire you, ways to grow as a human being. It is incredible what you can do during these times that you normally would wish away. Don't fall into the trap of wishing away your current life for when you're happy, okay? It's an illusion. You are wishing away time until you can eventually get to that thing that you already possess, which is happiness. You already possess it within you. You've just got to express it. You've got to find it and express it. But it exists within you. You create it. So it's sad and scary that we already hold the power and we have the tools, but we think it's something external that's going to bring it to us. So we quickly waste away our time and like fuck around and we don't do anything until this, you know, illusion appears in our life when it's never going to happen, okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to become fully immersed and grateful, and it sounds fucking corny as fuck, but for what you do have now. Because if you do all this shit that I'm telling you to do, then the things that you intend for yourself are actually closer than you think. And one day you're going to look back and miss this. For example, Take a time in your life that that you're nostalgic about. Let's say high school. Let's say grade 12. Let's say you're somebody that had a ball in grade 12. When you look back, you think, fuck, that was such a good time. But I can guarantee you when you were in grade 12, you were thinking, oh, I can't wait to finish school. I can't wait to be independent. I'm going to be an adult. I get to do whatever I want, right? There's so many times in our life where we wished it away. And then when you pause and look back, you think, fuck, those were the good days. So when are you going to be happy? Either what, in the future thinking it's going to be great or when you already reach that future point, looking back thinking, how good was it? Why not think I'm going to miss where I am right now? I might miss this in the future. So why not just relish it? Because it's not going to last forever. Nothing is permanent. Impermanence is the only thing that's guaranteed. So why not milk this for what it's worth? I remember soon before I met Tyrone, I was things were going really well for me. They still are. Thrilled about that. But... Everything was going so well and I remember talking to my mum on the phone about, she was saying, are you interested in a relationship? Is it something that you want, something that you don't want? And I thought, yeah, no, I would. Like I'm not, I remember years ago I used to be like, fuck relationships, fuck this, fuck that, when I was still like, you know, jaded from heartbreak. But then I was fully over that and I was like, no, I'm truly open to it. I'm, I'm surrounded by great examples of amazing relationships. But not right now. I'm actually quite busy. I've got a lot of shit on. I don't think I'd have time to dedicate to a partner. She's like, yeah, no, fair enough, whatever. Then when I had, when after that conversation, I thought to myself, fuck, 
right now, like if knowing who I am now with the growth that I've had, my selection for a partner is going to be quite precise. I will have no problem if something doesn't work to, to nip it in the bud and end it. You know, I've done all this work on myself. I've, you know, gone through the trenches and come out. So then I was quite confident with my ability to choose a partner. So knowing that, I thought when I do meet my partner, it's likely that that person could be my partner, my long-term partner, you know, for, for years to come, if not for the rest of my life. So if that is the case and it could happen any minute now, then I need to relish this single life because I loved being single, right? I fucking loved being single. So I thought I need to milk my single life for what it's worth because I know that as much as I love my partner, as much as I'm going to want to spend forever with him, whatever, I know I'm going to mourn my single life because it's been a fucking ride and I love it. So I thought, no, I'm getting in that zone. Two fucking weeks later, I met Tyrone. And now we're obviously very much in love and I love him. But it's amazing how when you push everything away and you think, no, 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 no. Like just let's not hurry anything up because how much longer will this last? It might just be a few days. It might be a couple of weeks. So that's the headspace that I want you to get in. When you start to appreciate what you've got and not only appreciate it but already predict that you're going to mourn it, then you get into this headspace of like, wow, I'm really in the moment. I'm really enjoying this. And then people get magnetized to that. You meet someone and they're like, bang, I need to know this person. What is it about them? They're loving life. Like they have a zest for life. That's what you will become, okay? Now, what I want to do is very quickly because I, I, I want to do, oh, I hate when I say this because then it, like I'm starting the longest list on my fucking computer, but I am going to do a podcast on serotonin versus dopamine and comparing the two because we know them both as these feel-good neurotransmitters. But in the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest nutshell, I want you to notice the difference between the two and make sure that you tap into both, in particular serotonin. Dopamine is this anticipation, it's what causes cravings, and it's this reward chemical, okay? So it's like the, uh, I'm, I'm craving this, I, well, obviously it's linked to addiction as well, but it's kind of anticipation, reward, anticipation, reward. And it's actually got something to do with that pain, pleasure zone as well, where it's like the pain of kind of not getting it and then getting it and then not getting it and getting it. It's this weird kind of I'll explain it in that podcast. But that's what dopamine is. And it's rewarding when you get it. And you actually get a release of dopamine even before you actually – let's say you're getting cake, right, and you're obsessed with cake. You actually get that hit of dopamine just before you eat the cake. It's the reward of like, bang, I've gotten it. And then when you're eating, you get another hit. Serotonin on the other side is this calm, happy feeling. It's more of the appreciation for what already exists – So if you look at two things, one is the chasing, the excitement of the chase, and the serotonin is the happiness for what you already have. So I like to look at serotonin as kind of like the monk that lives inside you. It's that the meditator, the calm presence, the appreciation, the gratitude for what already exists within your life, okay? So the more you meditate, the more serotonin you're going to have. The more you do things that are present or the more you practice gratitude, the more of this calming, feel-good energy that you're going to create within yourself, which is serotonin. So dopamine is really good for things that are motivators and things that are going to drive you to get to places. Fucking phenomenal. Dopamine's great. But when it comes to appreciating your life and feeling comfortable within your own skin and being in that zone and loving, you know, where you are, that is tapping into serotonin. And for that, I highly recommend, of course, practicing gratitude. It could be journaling and 
and hugely meditating, okay? Right, let's go into the last one. Last one of all, don't, number four, don't make decisions based on the opinions or standards or traditions of others, okay? So may, like, does your family have a belief about something and they push that belief onto you? It could be a moral thing. It could be a thing about your career. It could be a religious thing. It could be a thing about you having children or finding a, a partner. You've got to learn to separate yourself from these beliefs, okay? Ask yourself, do I believe what my family believes in or not? Have I believed this forever because they believe in it or because it actually resonates with who I am? Do I believe in it because it's just like a tradition, cultural thing or is it because I fucking believe in it? You know, it's never too late to change your mind. You don't have to agree with people forever. You don't have to agree with people to get along, even if it's with your family. It could be political, religious, something about career. It doesn't matter. Don't fall into another thing. Don't fall into the trap. This is a big one with families and society of thinking that you have an expiry date right? An expiry date for women in particular with your uterus, an expiry, an expiry date for when you should have already finished uni, for when you should be married, blah, 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 blah. This goes on forever, okay? Nothing makes my blood boil more, what some things do, but in general, than when people put pressure on other people for having kids. Like, but don't you want kids? Family is everything. Nothing beats having kids. Aren't you scared of never having kids and then regretting it? Like, what? Cunt? Firstly, you don't know me. Okay, goodbye. Secondly, goodbye. Because for you, that shit might be the case. But that's not the case for me. And it's not the case for everyone, okay? And whether you plan on having children or not, it doesn't matter because it's completely irrelevant. Let's say you want children, but you can't have them. Let's say that you want them, but you don't know when. Or you want them, but not for years to come. All you might want kids, but you only want them if you have a partner that you think is compatible enough with you to have kids with, you know? So when people think that if someone in your life, because mind you, the reason I'm going into this in quite intense detail is when I've done that unsolicited comment, so many of you guys have put through this pressure that people have and the questions that you get because you don't already have kids, people that want kids and can't have them and people that don't want kids that always get asked about it. When people think that you will not be fulfilled because you didn't have kids or because you're not going to have kids or that you're not going to reach life's full potential or you're going to miss out. It's because their identity and what they consider fulfillment to be is tied to having children. Now, that's not a, not a bad thing and it's not a good thing. It is what it is. However, purpose, identity, life satisfaction is not tied to having children. You can access all those things regardless if you have them or if you don't have them. Anyone that thinks otherwise, anyone thinks that you need to have kids to feel those things are just attached to the concept and they can't detach. Exactly what I was talking about earlier, this attachment of your ego, it's your attachment for your identity. A lot of people get so attached to their identity of being a parent that they think it is superior to those that don't have children, okay? Not everyone, obviously, but some people do. And I think we all know who I'm talking about. We all know someone, at least one person who's like that. And... Fun fact for you, if you ever get hit up with that, is that many studies have actually shown that some of the happiest people and healthiest in the world are unmarried women with no children, okay? So it can't be that bad, can't, it can't be that bad. It clearly shows that feeling empowered with purpose, it's up to you and it's around what you choose to do with your life or what you choose to feel about your circumstances, okay? 
you have to be very clear with other people that the decisions you are making are based around what you want. You have to be able to have the spine to be able to say to your family, I understand you brought me up this way, however, I disagree. I think that bang, 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 bang applies to my life and you obviously cannot argue that because I'm talking about my life here right now, okay? You have to be okay with disagreeing. You have to be okay to make new decisions that don't mirror those made by people around you or that don't mirror comments that people have made to you or expectations that people have of you. When you start to do that, it's scary, yes, especially if you haven't done it often, but you are going to feel so empowered. I can't even explain it to you. Independence equals empowerment. Like that first point that I was talking about, independence of thought, autonomy over your own life and being able to say, I made this call. Or being able to say, I might not have made this decision to get me to the circumstance that I'm in, but I'm going to decide to milk it for what it's worth and explore this new avenue in my life and see what I can make of it. That's a decision. You can decide to resist or you can decide to be like, I'm going to fucking go down this door and see where it takes me and it could be awesome, okay? There's so much that you can do with things that aren't even your initial choice, okay? Like something you could get thrown a spanner in the works and it could be the best thing that ever happened to you. It is your decision. It's that whole concept of the difference between pain versus suffering, okay? Pain is the initial hurt of something happening. It's the grief. It's the initial heartbreak. It's the initial hurt when something happens. Suffering is choosing to relive it again and again and not progressing from that, not healing, not growing. That is suffering. This idea of staying in the past and causing yourself more suffering than the initial thing that initially caused that pain in the first place, okay? One of the biggest things you can do to yourself is when to choose to stop suffering. That is the most empowering thing you can do for yourself, to choose to stop suffering, okay? So we're going to wrap these four points up. We've got gain as much independence as possible, okay? Stop seeking advice from too many sources because the more advice you seek, the less empowered you feel to make a decision. You feel like you don't have the ability to make a decision, which is very, it makes you like a, you need everyone as a crutch. Number three, stop waiting for something or someone to come along to make you happy because you already have the power. Uh, Of course, don't wish your time away. Number four, don't make decisions based on the opinions, standards or traditions of others. And I guess number five, the last thing that I said, which wasn't, you know, part of my notes, but number five, know when to stop suffering. Pain is one thing, suffering is a choice, okay? So guys, I hope that has helped you. I hope I've like planted a few seeds here and things that you can do with your everyday life. But again, it all comes down to having more autonomy, having more choice over your thoughts, your actions, your body, your life, okay? And choices come in the weirdest forms. It can come from you manifesting an idea in your head, that's a choice, or it can come from being hit, like being hit with the blow that at the time feels like you got fucked over and you're the biggest victim. But then like a year later, you could turn around and be like, thank fuck that happened to me because now look where I am. It's all about perspective and it's about choosing what to do with things that are thrown your way, okay? 
if you if something terrible happens to you and you think I'm going to choose to suffer, I'm going to be constantly getting people to help me because I don't feel like I'm independent enough to do something, then you're never going to feel empowered and your your ability to love yourself is going to be lower. You find it a lot harder to love yourself if you don't feel empowered. Give yourself the power back and you'll find it so much easier to love yourself because you are you have the power, you're empowered. There's nothing quite like the feeling. You know, so go back to the start of the episode, listen to the the definition of empowerment again. It's very, very cool. Guys, I hope that was helpful to you. I hope that was entertaining. I love you all, my little beans. Um, Also, for everyone that's bought the card game, the Do You Fucking Mind card game, please keep sharing uh, photos of it on Instagram. Um, Even on the Facebook group, I'd love you to share it. There's some things where I get you to write notes either to yourself or to your partner. Can you please share them on the Facebook group as well? Because I think we'd all love to see that stuff. It's very, very cool. But I've been loving um, what has been shared so far. It's very awesome. Guys, as always, please keep sharing the podcast on your Instagram and to your loved ones. And just shout out to uh, a few people that have contacted me from New York as well. Love that so much that the podcast is like reaching all these corners of the world. So um, hello to my beautiful New York listeners. I'm just going to start hitting up a different city every week. Um, And that is all. So thank you so much, everyone. Love you all, my beans. Remember, be kind to yourself. Be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone. And especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.